This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you at church today. We're starting a brand new series called The Ghost. Everyone say The Ghost. All right, now that has got the heebie-jeebies out of you, let's get to what it's really about. It's really a series about the most misunderstood person in the entire Bible. And I, I know that sounds like a big statement, but honestly, uh, I've been a Christian a very long time, and seven years of Bible school, and lots of professors, and been to lots of churches and met lots of people and been to different countries. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood person in the entire Bible. And I really felt like we needed to do a series to help us understand who Jesus called your best friend. And I think it's worth talking about. And the Holy Spirit, how many of you guys know, he goes before us, he is with us, he was in our yesterday, he's already in your tomorrow, and he's very active in your right now. And before we jump in, let's just celebrate again, because we need to celebrate, just keep celebrating how God went before us with favor and got us five acres of land on the interstate. Just thanking God for that. What a big deal. I mean, even the other day, I, I, I went to the mailbox and opened it up, and another church in another state had sent us $10,000. And this was just people that are looking into, like, we got to get a building on that land as fast as we can because people need what is coming to them. So we'll get there, we'll get there, and just keep praying, asking God how he wants you to be a big part of that. This series also ends, you heard on the announcements, ends with baptisms. And I love just giving the devil a black eye right before Halloween with a bunch of baptisms. So we're doing it uh, the day before. Everyone, everyone's celebrating darkness. We're bringing people from death to life. Come on, somebody say amen to that. So it's going to be amazing. If you were, I get this question a lot, so let me just say it. If you were raised Catholic and sprinkled as a baby or Methodist or whatever, um, that was not your decision. You basically were dedicated to the Lord. That was not baptism. Um, they call it that, but it's really a child dedication. So if you want to be baptized in water, immersed in water and brought up, it's actually a commandment in scripture, not a good idea. It's actually a commandment. And we would love to celebrate that with you. After the second service that day, we'll have a big party outside. You're going to get baptized outdoors. And it's just going to be this huge party. Lots of Jesus freaks cheering you on after second service that day. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I don't know about all of you, but when I was growing up, whenever I heard about the Holy Ghost, I was a little weirded out. Now, I grew up in a church where we didn't say Holy Spirit. That was too. It was Holy Ghost. And you had to hock a loogie when you said it, or it wasn't real. And it was, it was Holy Ghost. And that kind of weirded me out because as a kid, I understood like when they taught us about the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I remember thinking, okay, God, the Father, I get it. Like I got a dad. I understand like a loving father. And God, the Son, I get it. I, Jesus died for me. I understand. But the Holy Spirit, that seemed really weird to me. And I couldn't understand it. And I didn't really know what it was all about. And then I was exposed and I thank God so much that I was exposed to the Holy Spirit at a very young age. I wasn't raised in a stuffy, quiet church. I was raised in a very, let's just say, expressive church. Lots of banners and tambourines and yelling. And 
And I remember being introduced to the Holy Spirit at a very early age. Now, I did get freaked out a little bit, but I always knew there was a Holy Spirit. And I, but, and I knew I wanted to know more about him. So that was not withheld from me. And for that, I'm very grateful. And even though I had a road ahead of me to learn who he was and what he does, um, I'm so grateful that I knew who he was. And maybe um, you were not raised in that. Let's talk about two different emphasis though. Because when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there are, there's a pendulum swing. It goes from overemphasis to underemphasis. And there's not a lot of places in the middle. When we look at the, the overemphasis, it's, it's churches or people that are like, everything is Holy Ghost, 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 Ghost. Not a lot of in between. They don't mention Jesus hardly ever. It's all about the ghost. And if something odd happens, like let's say in your house, um, you, a Bible falls off a shelf. They might say, I bind you, demon, a Bible falling off of shelves in Jesus' name and throw oil at the wall and call it good. And then there's the underemphasis because there are people who believe that the Holy Spirit gets you parking spots at HEB. No, he doesn't. There's people that believe that he led you to that coupon to get $1.50 off your Doritos. No, he didn't. And then there's people over here that underemphasize. And that's as equally dangerous. We understand God the Father, God the Son, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, they're, they're almost like, hey, I get the Trinity thing, and we say, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And they understand that. But then that's where it stops. It's just a word. But when they think about the Holy Spirit, it's for those weird people over there that want potato chips. It's not for us. It's those weird people over there that pray for weird things. It's, 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 it's no, no, no. We're, we are dignified. So this is how we treat the Holy Spirit. And so neither of those are healthy. Neither of those are good. And let me tell you about the goal of this series. Why, why are we picking at this? Well, I want to introduce you to your best friend. And I believe that a lot of people have a very big misunderstanding about who the Holy Spirit is and what role he plays in our lives. And isn't it just like the devil to confuse the most important thing about our faith post-Jesus? It's just like him to confuse that. So we're going to bring some solidarity to it. We're going to start in John chapter 14. If you've got your Bibles or you can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app or on the screen, we want to help you in the next few weeks. It's our prayer that we would all grow to know him even more intimately, know the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Jesus in John chapter 14 is comforting his disciples and he is explaining to them that I've got to go away. And they didn't want him to. They were saying, no, no, no. He said, but I got to go away. But he was going to send somebody. Now get this, that was even better than him. And that's not heretical. It's the words of Jesus. Look at John 14. And I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. A few things. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit's not an it. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as him, the third person of God in the Trinity. It is very literally the God in spirit form. The Bible says the Holy Spirit loves you. And Jesus is going to say, I'm going to go away and I'm going to send the Spirit to be with you and calls him a counselor. 
which comes from this Greek word. Yes, there's another Greek word, parakletos. We got to understand what Jesus is saying. Now look what this word means. I grew up my whole life hearing my, my Gigi say, trust the paraclete, trust the paraclete. And I thought she was saying, trust your pair of cleats. That's not what she said. It was an intercessor, a consoler, an advocate, a comforter, a helper. Trust the paraclete. It's a Greek compound word of para and kaleo. We've already talked about kaleo the last couple of weeks in our last series, Greater Things Part 2. It means called out ones. It's we are called out, but then para is alongside. It's, it's where we get the word parallel. And so when you look at who the Holy Spirit literally is by Jesus's definition, it's the one who comes right alongside you and doesn't leave you because he's there forever. And he will lead you and guide you and speak to you and comfort you. He's never leaving. Now notice that definition of the Holy Spirit never says have church services that scare the hell out of people. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say knock them over, God didn't come. It doesn't say yell in another language no one understands and scare everybody. It doesn't say that. What it does say is he comes alongside you. And you know what's interesting is what I understood about the Holy Spirit was it was a lot about my behavior, not about his character. And what I knew about the Holy Spirit was if I'm not yelling and screaming and sweaty, then I don't know the Holy Spirit. And that's not true. And nobody taught me that. It's just what I saw and what I observed. So I'm here to help set the record straight a little bit. Yes, I believe in people expressing themselves in worship. Yes, I believe in the gifts of tongues and interpretation. Yes, I believe in healing and prophecy. Of course, why? Because it's in the Bible. Of course, I believe in it. But what I don't believe in is human behavior modification to manufacture the spirit. And so let's talk about his character. His literal definition from God is I'm right here. So when we feel alone, he's right there. When we're depressed, he's right there. When we're hurting, he's right there. When we're discomforted, he comforts, he's right there. And that blew my mind when I learned that about him because I honestly didn't know that. So if I had a choice between, let's say you had a choice. Let me ask you, if you had a choice between, let's say somebody gave us the power to let Jesus walk with you in flesh for a day or the Holy Spirit for a day, who would you pick? You'd be like, man, I'm picking Jesus. I need to know. Because we've seen all these weird pictures of him, the blonde haired blue-eyed, sweetest Jesus with a lamb. We've seen all these weird Jesuses. So I'd like to know, like, what does the brother look like? I need to know. First of all, he wasn't white, by the way, so that's a good start. But I just, I would be, I mean, I'm picking Jesus. We're going to go to church, and, and he's going to say, well done. This church is awesome. I would go here. I'd be like, that'd be amazing. And then we go eat a steak and get some rolls and potatoes, because Jesus would obviously want that. And, and, and it would be amazing, like what, like what if, I mean, I'm walking with Jesus that day and I get a headache or my back hurts and Jesus is like, hold on a minute, boom, got it, I got you, headache's gone, back is fine. Or Fido dies and Jesus is like, I got this, and he's back, you're like, Fido's back, Jesus, you're the man, or your cat dies. And Jesus does the funeral because he wouldn't raise that sucker from the dead. Bury the cat. <laughs> Jesus don't raise evil from the dead. And all God's people said, amen. 
See, Jesus in the flesh seems like the best thing ever, doesn't it? It seems like the best thing, like that you would walk around with Jesus and have him with you. But Jesus said there's something better than that. There's something better. Jesus came to die for our sins and raise from the dead to give us victory. But then he fulfilled his job and then he left. Now the Holy Spirit is the one that is with us forever. I'm going to prove it to you. It sounds heretical, but it's not. Jesus' own words in John 16. But it is actually best for you that I leave. They're like, Jesus, no, no, no. He's like, it's actually better for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come. The parakletos won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. It's amazing. So the Holy Spirit is with us now. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, next week, we're going to talk about the power, the dunamis, where we get the the word dynamite, the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week and how he equips us to live a supernatural life. But today, we're going to look at what the Holy Spirit does within the believer. The name Holy Spirit is actually a, a Greek word, hagios pneuma. And pneuma, is, if you're thinking about it, it's where we get the word pneumatic, like pneumatic drills, like when you go to discount tire, it's all air power. It's, 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 it literally means a holy breath of fresh air. That's his name. So he's the one that comes alongside you to give you a breath of fresh air. That's the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? Y'all are looking at me like a Methodist church. You better say amen to that. Isn't that good news? A breath of fresh air. I love it. But whenever the world is going crazy, we can still have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all of that. We can have all of that. But when you look at Christians today and around the world, we often see Christians who look no different than the rest of the world. They're still bound to the same sins as other people. Christians whose prayer lives are basically flat or non-existent. We see people who are afraid and struggling with fear and anxiety. We see people who are addicted to the voices in the media and not the word of the Lord. And why is that? Why are people living Christian lives with no power? Because so many people today are living what what I call a spirit-less life. And God wants his children to be spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, spirit-led, spirit equipped, but we're living spiritlessly. So why? I've got two reasons. This isn't an exhaustive list. There are more, but these are the two big hitters. Why are so many people living a spiritless life? First thing is, people are not, some people are not aware of the Holy Spirit. You're not aware of it. It's, it's, it, we don't know that it's there. We don't know that, it, that that person is available, that, that he is there. And you might be saying, I've heard of the Holy Spirit, but I don't know what he does. And now, Landon, in your intro, you've got me a little more confused. I really don't know what he does. We're going to fix that at the end. Here's an interesting story in Acts chapter 19. Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit after you believed in Christ? And they answered, no. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? 
You might be saying, I don't know anything about him. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I thought it was just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. And then there are many of you that are in a very similar place where you've heard about him, but that's about it. It's like you know of them, but you don't know them. And there's this whole other world of power that's available to believers through the Holy Spirit, and a lot of people just don't know about it. Some people are just kept in the dark. I remember one time I was traveling uh, to Washington State, and you never want to hear your name on a loudspeaker at an airport. And my first name is Christopher, and they said, Christopher Kiker, would you please report to gate 6A? And I was like, no, no. So I go over there. I'm like, hello, um, I'm Christopher Kiker. And, and she was like, I'm sorry, but there's, there's something with, that we have to change about your seat. And I, you know, I just, in those moments, you find out if you're really saved. And I was. And I said, well, what would you like for me to do? And she said, unfortunately, we're going to have to bump you to first class. I'm telling you, favor ain't fair. I did a Holy Ghost jig. I got Pentecostal real fast. I mean, we spinning in circles, yelling, throwing oil in her face. I was all over the place. Tried to knock her over. I mean, it was like, I was just so excited. None of that happened. I was just really excited. And I'd never been in first class in my life. I mean, I'm from Odessa. We don't pay for extra things. We're poor. I mean, we don't do stuff like that. And so, so I, I, I was like, this is crazy. So she takes me to first class and you go onto the airplane and all the commoners go to the right and all of the elite go to the left. And she told me to go to the left. And I was like, and she pulled the curtain back and I walked in. I was like, what? There's two chairs instead of three. And for all of you short people, that doesn't matter to you. But everybody that's over 5'10", airplanes were designed by Satan himself. You can't fit in those tiny things. And you're like trying to get there first. And then she, sit, she set me down in my seat. She took my bag. She put it up there for me. She said, let me know if you need anything, Mr. Kiker. I was like, I will. I will. Praise the Lord. Then somebody walks by and they hand me a hot towel. And because I don't, I've, I don't know how to behave in these moments, I, I didn't know what it was for. So I started wiping off the chair. I thought she wanted me to clean it because that's what they make you do in coach. Like, we ain't cleaning your seat for you. You clean it. And so I was like, she's like, no, 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 sir. That's for your face. And I was like, my face? Am I dirty? She's like, no, it's just to get you ready for the trip. So she gave me another one. And then I just dabbed it dabbed my face. And I was like, mm, mm, mm. And then she comes up and she hands me a drink menu. I'm like, no, that's okay. I, di I didn't expect to pay for that. She goes, sir, they're free. And I was like, God, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? So I ordered a non-alcoholic ginger ale. Um, you don't believe that, do you? But I ordered a ginger ale and, and it was just an amazing time. I didn't even know that stuff existed. I didn't even know that was a thing. I flew on Southwest my whole life where you're having to elbow people for your seat and dropkick people. I didn't, I've, I've never flown on Delta's first class. And then they gave me a ticket to go into the, the lounge at the airport, like a free, and I walk into this lounge and there's more nice people handing me more free stuff. And I was like, what is this life? What is this? I mean, and all joking aside, this is exactly the picture that's in my mind when we live a spirit-less life. There is something available to us on the other side and we don't even know it's there. We think we have to settle for drudgery in our life, wandering through life. We don't know what to do, what to believe. We think we just have to make good decisions and write another pros and cons list over and over and over. But the Holy Spirit will guide, comfort, lead. 
And we don't even know he's there. But I'm telling you, once you go to the other side of the curtain, you don't want to be on the other side of the curtain no more. Next, the next flight, I was in coach, and I was so grumpy. Because it goes from sir to sit down and shut up. Here's some old peanuts. I was not ready for that emotionally. Anyway, I made it through. I'm telling you, there's something available to you that you don't even know is there. But now you do. There's something available to you, and I can't wait to tell you more about it. Christians all over the world are going through life without this knowledge, this knowledge that he will direct, comfort, guide, convict, even empower. It's available. So many are living a spiritless life because they're unaware. What about this? Some resist the Holy Spirit. Landon, I would never, I would never resist. If you tell, if Landon, you're telling me there's a third person in the Trinity that wants to get me in first class, I want that guy. Okay, I didn't say the Holy Spirit put me in first class. It was just an illustration. Also, number two, you and I do resist him all the time. Some of us don't even know that he's there speaking to us. And maybe this is many of you that Holy Spirit has prompted you, if you're a believer, to do something. And you've kind of said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I remember the first time Kelly and I financed a car, and it was very expensive for two 20-year-olds. It was $12,000 car. And I was like, oh, my God, we're, we're, we're going to be in the poor house. This is awful. And we paid off the car. And I remember how big of a deal that was the day we paid off the car. And wouldn't you know it, the day we paid off the car, the Lord started to speak to Kelly and I to give it away. I did not want to do that. It's like, no, I just paid this car off. It's my car. I just got the title. I've never held a title in my life. No, the Holy Spirit told us to sign it over and give it to a family who was in need of a vehicle. And I just remember those moments. I was resisting the Holy Spirit for weeks. It wasn't like I, I prayed that day and it was over. No, it was nagging on me for weeks. Push the Holy Spirit away. And I'm not just talking about resisting God in church services. I'm talking about like, we, like it's in our everyday life. That maybe some of us have resisted the Holy Spirit for so long that our heart has become hardened to the gentle whispers because the Holy Spirit won't yell, he whispers. Stephen in the New Testament, a very young and very courageous, very bold young man, was speaking to the Sanhedrin, which was just... The, the Jewish court, the elite, the super religious folks. And he was speaking to these guys and he gave them a good chewing right before they stoned him to death. And here's the scripture. Acts 7, you stiff-necked people. He's not off to a good start to save his life. With uncircumcised hearts and ears. Now he's speaking to the Sanhedrin and they're the Jewish elite. This is a huge cut down. You're just like your fathers. Now he's talking about their family and their generations. You always resist. Now, he's using the word always. Anytime you see that come up in an argument, you've usually gone off the rails. But he's making a definitive statement here. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And some of you may say, well, Landon, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit really prompts me, moves me, or speaks to me. It could be that you've resisted the Holy Spirit for so long that it's become hard for you to hear him. I've learned through failure after failure after failure to try very hard not 
to resist the Holy Spirit when I feel like the Spirit is prompting me. Sometimes people say, well, Landon, how do you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking? Well, because you and I are human beings, and that means we are selfish in nature. We are born selfish. We're born screaming, mine, mine, mine. We are, that's our flesh. We are born that way. No one had to teach children to fight for what's theirs. We come out that way. We're born selfish in nature. And if there's something I thought that I have that benefits me, probably not the Holy Spirit because he'll speak to someone else for that. But if he speaks to me and I'm automatically like, oh, it's probably him. It's probably him leading me and guiding me because when the Holy Spirit speaks, usually it takes time and maybe money and talking to your neighbor, speaking up, being present, If it benefits others, it's probably the Holy Spirit. Well, Landon, what if I'm being convicted? Well, that's actually a lot easier. If you're you're being convicted about something that you know is wrong, we assume that it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But a lot of people, you and I have done this, we justify our sin. Well, the blood of Jesus covers all my sin. And I'll just repent of this later. And Paul says in the New Testament, that's called abusing grace. And he said, shall we not do that? We We honor grace. Why are so many people living a spirit-less life? Well, some are not aware. Others have been so skilled at resisting. And I was there too. I got so good at resisting the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was growing up, this evangelist had come to town. This was back when like evangelists would travel and go to all these different churches. And this guy came to town and I, I never, I'll never forget his name. His name was Brother Tolliver. And I was like 15 and I was playing the drums on the worship team. And I remember he, he, he called me down off the drums and wanted to pray for me. And, and this had happened a lot. And so I just got ready and I got in the very rebellious Pentecostal child stance of like, I dare you. I dare you to try to knock me over. And I, and I remember I got like this and, and he said, you're going to be a missionary to South Africa. And I started laughing because that was not true. And I just started laughing. And then he prayed for me. He was trying to push me over and it wasn't happening. And I just, I remember thinking like, even though I think Brother Tolliver was misguided and prophet lied that day, I do remember this feeling. What if I hadn't resisted? Even though I didn't agree and that he was wrong in that, it's okay that he was wrong in that. Nobody gets that 100% of the time. And even though he was wrong in that, what if I hadn't resisted? What if, I don't know. I just wonder. And I think back through my life and all the times I've resisted the Lord, and I literally am telling you, like the stance was like this. Like I, I was getting ready to run off the line in a football game. I was like just ready. And I, 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 I don't want to have that posture toward God ever again in my life. I don't want, and I use that maybe extreme example with Brother Tolliver to, to share with you. Like we do that in our hearts every day. The Bible, that's why the Bible says we have to crucify our flesh every day. It's not a one-time altar call. It's every day. It's every day we have to put ourselves to death so that Christ can be alive. That's hard. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us with that. But some of us have gotten so good at resisting. And so for the next few minutes, I want to talk about the internal working of the Holy Spirit and how he can minister to us. And then we're going to briefly look at a few things before we end the service. See, in a spirit-filled life, we talked about a spirit-less life, 
In a spirit-filled life, the Holy Spirit will, number one, he will comfort you. He will comfort you. He'll be right there beside you. Let's read the verse again, John 14, 16. I'll pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter, another breath of fresh air, another one to come alongside you. And there will be those of you who are going through something very difficult right now. And some of you are going through some pretty hard stuff. And I can promise you that even in this moment, because I know God and I know his character and I know the Holy Spirit personally, that even in this moment, some of you can sense that he's here. And that for some reason, you ended up in this cafeteria today to hear about the one who wants to comfort you and lead you and guide you. The Bible says that he will comfort you with a peace that surpasses all human understanding. Like we don't get it. We don't understand it, but it's there. And I've been in the room with dozens of people when they've taken their last breath. And I've been in the room with people who had a family member that was diagnosed with cancer and some were rocked, like hit the ground, screaming, crying. I've seen people throw stuff, getting fights. Then I've seen some people who weren't shaken at all. They were peaceful and they were thanking God. Now, I remember asking some of these people, tell me, please tell me, for my, for my educational benefit, how did you go through this without showing any visible signs of struggle? And they said, well, it w- out, while it was very, very sad, we actually didn't struggle. It was weird. I said, tell me about that weirdness. And we just began to examine it a little bit. And they said, you know, we, we put scripture up all over the house. And every time we walked around the house, we quoted it. And we had worship music playing. And we prayed with each other every day. And we had some quiet time every day. And in this, these hard moments, the Holy Spirit did what only he could do. And in the middle of a trial, he supernaturally comforted us when everything else was uncomfortable. See, the Holy Spirit can comfort you if he is in you. And he is only there if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Second thing he'll do is counsel you. And this is a great one. This is a great one. He will counsel you. He's your guide. Like, do I take this job or do I take this job? Do I marry this person or do I say it's not, it's not you, it's not the right time? Do I join this church or do I join this body of believers? Do I discipline my kids this way or do I discipline my kids this way? Do I put them in public school, private school, charter school, or home school? Do I, do you see what I'm getting at? It's too many decisions. And I can tell you very plainly that every time Landon has been in control of a decision, it doesn't go well. And maybe you can say the same thing. That when I look at my life and, and I see all the moments that I didn't allow the Holy Spirit to direct me, even though he was trying to. Look at John 16, three. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, Jesus, Jesus called the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth multiple times in the New Testament. And our, how many of you know, in today's culture, we need some truth. So when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Literally had a pastor tell me one time, the Lord told me to divorce my wife. He said, I was praying one day and the Holy Spirit came and said, you chose the wrong one. 
And I remember sitting there looking at him and I was like, that doesn't even make biblical sense. Because God is not a man that he should lie. He will not be mocked and he won't go against his own word. When people believe lies, it's when they haven't asked the Lord for guidance. It's having this constant awareness that the Holy Spirit is guiding you. And guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't always guide you to things that feel good. In fact, I would say in my life, most of the time when, when he's counseling me, it's usually down a harder road. But then he comforts me because in my flesh, I'm going to choose the path of least resistance. In my flesh, I'm going to choose the church that won't challenge me. In my flesh, I'm going to choose a relationship that doesn't challenge me. In my flesh, I won't have deep friends. I'll just, I'll just keep all this surface level nonsense and make it feel like I've got friends. In, in, in my flesh, I won't own up to my sin. I'll just kind of live with it and abuse grace. In my flesh, but the Holy Spirit was wanting to lead and guide and counsel. It's this constant awareness that he's there, that he's your counselor. And I love this picture of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah chapter 30. He says, whether you turn to the right or turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now, whether you hear an audible voice or not, some people said they have, I personally have not. Would love to one day, but regardless, you'll know. And a one way that you can also know is if you've got spirit-filled friends that can pray with you about it. But when you and I get alone and we start Googling things and start asking people on social media, it's already wrong. It's already the wrong choice. And I've heard people, I've seen people, and I've tried to help people who have rejected the voice of the Holy Spirit in that moment. And it's one of the hardest things to do as a pastor is watch somebody destroy their life and reject godly counsel. I can't do anything about it. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and maybe you're resisting his counsel. Now that you're aware of him, he wants to counsel you and comfort you. Number three and the last one is he will convict you. Landon, I don't like that one. It's actually very helpful. It doesn't say condemn. Conviction is totally different. Condemnation takes you into darkness. Conviction brings you into the light. They're opposites. They're totally different. John 16, 8, when the Spirit comes, He will convict. He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And a lot of time, maybe you were, you've tried church before and you're like, Lennon, this is the last church I'm trying. And I know some of you in the room, you've personally told me that. You came to this church years ago and it was your last chance you were given God. I'm so glad you stayed. Now, I remember Billy Graham said, it's God's job to judge. Jesus' job to save the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's only my job to love. And for those of you that were damaged by a church who tried to take the role of the Holy Spirit on behalf of reverends everywhere, I'm sorry. Because you and I were not led to the Holy Spirit, we were led to an organization, if that be the case. 
and he wants to convict you to help you. See, I I can't teach my children to be free-thinking, stable, spirit-led, spirit-filled adults if I'm pushing them around and fighting them and condemning them. No, we show them the why behind it. The behavior is inconsistent with values. It's this, it's a deeper meaning. It's a conviction. It's not condemnation. In fact, some of you today, you're being convicted by the spirit of God. You know what's going on in your life. Nobody else knows, you know. And I've been convicted by about many things in my life, many things. And one of the things that I was convicted about about three years ago uh, was the comparison game of uh, my social media use. And I, I, had a, uh, I had a profile on every single social media platform, even Twitter, and that's reserved for angry politicians. I even had one of those. And every day was this comparison. And then I got convicted. Nobody told me I got convicted that a lot of the ideas we were having for the church were just knockoffs of another idea. And I, I made a decision right there in that moment to delete them all, and I haven't had it for years. But that was my conviction. I'm not telling you God's telling you to do that. I'm not your dad or God or a cult leader. You make your own choices. But you need to ask the Holy Spirit, is this good for me? Is this helping me? Is this bringing truth into my life? Is this relationship helping me? Is this person helping me? Is this uh, computer use helping me? Is this career choice leading me to Jesus or pushing me away from church? And let the Holy Spirit lead in God. Some of you are feeling convicted about certain sin patterns in your life and you think you're hiding it, but you're not. And I I know the pain of what it feels like to bring things into the light and the embarrassment, the frustration, the fear. But let me promise you this, out of personal experience and what I know of God and what I know of the Holy Spirit, when you bring something into the light, hell's back is broken because the devil's a coward and he can only operate in the dark. So let's turn on the lights and let the cockroaches run because the devil can only operate in fear and darkness. And even if you turn on a little bitty light, it still dispels the darkness. That's why small groups are so important because you need real friends, not fake ones that only like you for the things you like, like real friends who will push you to Jesus. And there are others of you that are being drawn to God today and you don't know why. You're being drawn to the Lord and and you're, you're not even a church person. And you're like, I'm not a church person. This isn't, this isn't for me. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you of your need for God. And he'll never force you to accept Jesus, but he'll lead you there. You know, when I came to genuine faith in the Lord, you know, you guys know, I told you I was, I was raised in a church and I'm very grateful for that. And I met Jesus at a very young age, but that doesn't mean that I knew Jesus. I just met him and I wasn't being the church. I was just going to a church facility and I was a worship leader, but I didn't know how to worship on my own. I had charisma and no character. 
And it was when I was a freshman in college and I was reading this book because I had to, because it was a textbook for Bible school. And I was reading the book of First Peter. And something changed in me that day. And then I read Second Peter. And I read James. And I kept going. Went back to Matthew. I read all of the New Testament that night. And that day, without anyone being there, without an altar call, without music, without any anointing oil, in that moment, I had a choice to receive, to receive or reject. And I felt this need to be cleansed of my sin. And I felt supernaturally drawn to open up the Bible and continue to read, which I had never felt drawn to read it before. I, I used to say all the time, I hate reading. I was one of those guys that was like, oh, I hate books. And I never liked school. I hated being in school. My wife loved school. She was a nerd like that. I hated all of it. I just wanted to party and hang out with friends. But in that moment, something changed in my life. I surrendered to the Lord. And I met Jesus. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about repentance and I repented of my sin. And the, the beautiful thing is that some of you here are under conviction and you're being drawn to God and now you know why. Because Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. And the Holy Spirit is here and you don't have a choice about that, but you do have a choice to surrender to him or to fight him off. But let me warn you, don't fight him for long because your heart will grow hard. And you'll begin to reject the wooing of the Spirit of God. And if, you've, if, if you can't even remember the last time you asked God, or you spoke to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, lead me today. Guide me today. Guide my conversations today. Guide these meetings today. If we, we're not even at that place yet, we certainly don't have His voice in our life. So as the band comes up to help me in the service, there are communion tables up here up front and these two uh, black bistro tables. And at the end of our services, we do what we call response time. And there will be prayer partners right here between these two tables. And then you can grab communion. If you'd like to take communion today, I highly suggest you do to remind yourself of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And if you come from a more liturgical background, uh, you lead yourself through this, that you don't need a priest to remember Jesus dying for you. This, you're not joining the church. Communion is not an ordinance. It's a reminder. And so you, you take this special moment between you and God. And then you come get prayer. Come get prayer because some of you are here and you're recognizing that you're pretty much doing life on your own. And some of you are recognizing that the Holy Spirit is present in your life, but you're not listening. You go to church and you know all the spiritual stuff and you look at your life and say, I don't have any spiritual power though. Like I feel like I pray and my prayers hit the ceiling, come right back down to me. I don't see the fruit of the spirit in my life. And really I believe in this stuff, but I don't see it. And I want a more spirit filled life. If that's you, then make sure you come get prayer. Second group of people, the Holy Spirit's moving and drawing you to God right now. And you're like I was. You met a grew up knowing the story of Jesus and you were a believer and you believed the story, but there was no evidence in your life that you believed the story. 
And it's because you've chosen sin over salvation. And there are some sins in your life you need to ask God to forgive you of. And there are some mindsets that you need to lay down today. And there's some lies that you believe that you need to replace with truth. And I don't know what those things are. And we're not going to group you up by sin. We're not doing anything weird. But you do need to come down and have someone agree in faith with you and repent to the Lord today. It might even be something as simple as pride. You've chosen to stand your ground instead of receiving humility. You're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Don't pass that up. Don't don't resist him today. You're here because the Holy Spirit drew you here. Continue to operate with him today. And some of us, we know the Bible and we just choose to dismiss what it says. And then we expect God to bless our disobedience. He never will. So whatever that is, follow the Holy Spirit's leading and come get prayer. And then the last group of people, you're not a church person at all. You, do, you, got, you have a drug problem. Someone drug you here. You do not even want to be here. And you're just waiting on me to stop talking. I get it. I am too. But strangely, you're aware of your need for him. And you know, like you need God and you're under this burden of guilt. And God is drawing you and you have a choice to resist or to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe for the very first time, maybe for some of you, you're coming back to Jesus. He didn't leave, but you ran away from him. Come back to him today and let someone pray for you to receive salvation in Jesus' name. Go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody. Response time only takes about five minutes. The band's gonna lead us through an amazing song. And so your ways to respond are communion tables down here. Prayer team, go ahead and come on down. And the prayer team is going to be here for you for prayer for anything that you need. And then worship. The band's going to lead us through some worship songs. Let's allow God to speak and minister to us in a profound way today. Let's pray. Father, I ask right now that in this moment that the Holy Spirit would lead, guide, convict, counsel. May we leave here with some clarity that we feel like we may have never had before. Speak to us, Lord, today through the next five minutes or so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.